Welcome to ACE Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs, and motivates manual therapists around the world. episode Sean Brewster with you once again I hope you're enjoying our 31 episodes in 31 days it's been a real challenge for me so far to come up with new content each day uh, but I'm doing my best so today I thought I'd mix it up a little bit and talk to you about something that was a part of my life or a chapter of my life uh, a number of years ago which is running so for a long time in addition to being a health practitioner I was also a running coach and a bit of an avid long distance runner myself and so in my role as a running coach, I would often analyze and help, and help people to improve their running technique. And so my approach to this was very much from the perspective of the runner. And I would go running with my patients, with my clients, observe their running technique, and on the move while we're actually on the run, give them little tips and tweaks to, to adjust their running technique, help them find their way to a more comfortable way of running. So this wasn't done in a lab. This wasn't done on a treadmill. This was done out on a trail, out on the road, out on the path where we might be. A little bit of a different approach, but I found this was really useful because we could literally apply different approaches as we're going. Stop, have a conversation, apply a different tweak, see how it works for them, see how it feels, and actually apply it on different terrains at different uh, in different locations and so on. So it was quite useful. So in this episode today, I thought I'd uh, explore just a few little uh, sort of small tweaks that you can provide as advice to patients. You might have, and there's a pretty good chance most of you uh, who are in clinical practice will have patients who like to run, and they'll often come in with different types of aches and pains and often not know how they may or may not be related to their running technique. And so while you may not go out running with your patients and observing their technique, these are little tips and things that you can apply in the advice that you give and say, maybe this is something you might like to look at next time you go running, see if it changes the way that you feel when you run, uh, and see if they can implement and get the, the positive changes that they might be looking for. So the first thing we're going to look at is something called overstriding. Now, this is a really common mistake made by runners, especially those early in the game that have just maybe taken up the sport or taken it the, the pastime. And if they go back to high school, how they were taught to run back in high school, at least, at least the way I was, which was you know, your PE teacher, your gym teacher would say, okay, big, long strides, really stretch out, which is really not the case, particularly if we're trying to run longer distances. A more efficient way to run is typically, surprisingly for some, is actually with a shorter stride, a higher cadence, so a faster foot turnover, but a shorter stride. This does a really important thing for the amount of impact applied to the body when you're running. And so typically, if you are overstriding, if you're stretching out long with your stride, you're more likely to land on your heel, so to be a heel striker. And that also means you're more likely to, to land on a fairly straight knee, which then can apply a lot of force up through the ankle, through the knee, through the hip, and into the low back. And so you'll find a lot of people who have taken up running will often end up complaining of low back pain. That straight leg and that straight knee, when they strike the ground on the heel, will often cause sort of a stopping action or a braking action on the foot, which tends to force that pelvis into a bit of an anterior rotation, and often lead to jamming up of the lower back and the facet joints. And so a really easy thing to try to adjust here with the patient is shortening the stride. Now, I say it's an easy thing, but I should highlight the fact that there's no easy week to running technique everything is a really ingrained movement pattern for for most people so we've all been running since almost day dot so trying to get somebody to change the way they run or change the way they walk it's often a very difficult thing to do so these running technique changes or tweaks are just small things you get your patients to experiment with over time until they can find their, their happy medium somewhere along that uh, along that spectrum 
And so with overstriding, what we typically try to do is, or what I would typically try to do with my patients, is have them focus on a couple of key things that aren't about the stride length, things that are outside of that to focus on. So the first one is uh, what what they can see when they look down. So if you're running, typically an upright position, of course, if you just glance downward without dropping the head too much into flexion, but just glance down, you should be able to see the top of your foot as it extends out past your knee on the leading leg. If you're overstriding, what you'll sometimes see as you glance down is you'll see the top of the foot, maybe the ankle, even a little bit of the shin. This would indicate a knee that's too straight at the point of striking the ground. So ideally, you want to be able to look down, look over the top of that kneecap and see just the midfoot. So halfway along the foot as it extends down towards the toes. If that's the only part of the foot and ankle that is exposed as the leg extends out in front, that can give you a pretty good idea that at no point does that leg fully extend out into a straight knee, straight knee position which is less likely to put you into a heel strike position as you're rolling through your your gait cycle. Another thing that you can look at is actually counting your cadence. Now, sometimes uh, it's helpful or very useful to have somebody do this for you because it could be quite difficult to be tracking the time and counting the steps, but essentially you want to run for a minute. Uh, It can be done in 30 seconds or 90 seconds, but a minute's usually a pretty reasonable time to count for. And over that minute, you would count the number of steps that you take. Now, if you've got a Garmin or a Sunto watch or one of these different types of smart watches, maybe an Apple watch, you might be able to track your cadence, the number of steps per minute. And that's obviously going to make things a lot simpler for you. But if you don't have that technology, simple things, you set it, get someone to set a stopwatch. You start running, you press go on the stopwatch once you're already moving and you count the number of steps you take across a minute. Now, that's your cadence. Now, in an ideal world, or at least the, the original textbooks on running would say to us, uh, about 180 steps per minute is ideal. Now, that, that concept has been challenged, and to a, to a lesser or greater degree, I think that you know, plus or minus 10 is a, is a fair assessment, so 170 to 190. I've seen people running at cadence of 150, and they're almost definitely overstriding, and I've seen people running at cadence of over 200. It looks like they're running a phone box. They're just these tiny little steps. So ideally, we're going to be somewhere around 180, but if it's, uh, most people who are fairly efficient would be in the low 170s, 172, 174, or ideally somewhere near 180. Now you've got to be careful when you give this sort of advice to patients because they can become very fixated on getting the exact number that you prescribe, and that's not the goal here. The goal is 180 as a rough guide, plus or minus about 10. But it might take your patient some time to find comfortable with that, find their level of comfort with that, with that cadence. So if they go out and they're saying, like, it feels like I'm just turning the feet over too fast, just say, that's okay, go back to what you were doing. And then every every couple of runs, just experiment with increasing that cadence over time and then come back and measure it in a, in a couple of weeks' time and see if it's adjusted. None of these changes happen quickly. So trying to get that cadence close to 180, glancing down while running and making sure that the foot isn't extending out past the knee will all help to reduce the length of the stride, to reduce the amount of force being applied through the heel, and ideally, that would probably put their foot strike into somewhere of a mid-foot strike. It doesn't have to be on the ball of the foot. That can often be too uh, too much loading for the Achilles tendon. But having them land somewhere near a flat foot position as they come over their, over their foot onto the next stride is, is pretty close to ideal. Another thing that can be really useful to adjust with your patient's running technique is the amount of arm cross. And so often we see patients coming in again complaining of hip pain, knee pain, ankle pain, and back pain. These are really common presentations with runners, of course. Seems very obvious when you think about the action of running or all that impact. But often this can be a case of the person swinging their arms across their body too much, crossing the midline. 
As a result, the legs will tend to internally rotate at the hips, and that can apply a lot of force, unnecessary force through different joints in the lower limbs. So ideally we want those arms swinging at the side of the body. So a nice little trick I'd like to uh, cue the patients with is have them focus on where their elbows are. As they stride along, as they're running along, have them focus on kicking their elbows back behind them, for, uh, forcing the attention to be on the backward movement of the arm often is, is easier to control than watching what the hands are doing and trying to avoid them crossing over the body. So having them kick their elbows backwards does two things. One, it helps to keep the arm swinging in a sort of parallel direction. And two, it also encourages a little bit more kickback of the foot. So they get a little bit more uh, extension of the hip as they run through their, through their stride. So kicking the elbows backwards in short sort of sharp motions will help to extend their, their stride length backwards, not forwards, which is important. It'll also help to have the arms swing more naturally at the side of the body and reduce the crossing over which then reduces the crossing or the, the rotation happening at the hips, affecting the joints in the lower limbs. And one more little tip for this session would be to cue the patients to set their center of gravity correctly. What you'll find with, if you go to the finish line of any long distance race, you'll see all sorts of misery as it crosses the finish line. And one of the common things we see people doing is collapsing through the hips, as in they're flexing forward at the waistline. And this is going to be a, this is going to be a recipe for disaster with most people's technique, often lead to a lot of pain and discomfort. So we do want a bit of a forward lean, but the lean should be happening at the ankles. So the center of gravity should be sitting forward out over the top of the feet. This will also help to reduce stride length. So another added bonus of this technique. So a little tip I'd like to give the patients when I'm cueing them with this technique is have them stand still. And I hold the t-shirt or their, whatever they're wearing at their back, and then they lean forward and I'm sort of supporting their weight by holding whatever clothing they're wearing in the top half of their body. At this point, they're feeling like they're just leaning out over their toes and I'm the only thing holding them up. At that point, I would let them go and they would take a couple of strides to get this sense of sort of falling forward over their feet. And really, an effective running technique should be a sense of falling forward. Each step is just gravity pushing you forward. So as they fall forward into that technique, the next thing we need to make sure is that they're not actually dropping their, their chest and face towards the ground. So we're going to extend that up. We're going to point the, the center of their chest, their sternum, the horizon or even better i'd say about 10 degrees above the horizon that lifts the chin it lifts the face and the chest the thorax up and points at where you're going but still allows that forward lean at the ankles to keep the momentum falling forward uh, creating some natural momentum so that's very important to not allow those hips to flex forward keeping your body up and extended but your center of mass forward over your toes so there's three little tips i like to give patients there's plenty more uh, but hopefully, if you can just throw those ones to your patients that are having some discomfort through their back, hips, knees, or ankles when they're running, those I found those uh, particular adjustments to running technique can be really effective in reducing discomfort and pain, but also have some really dramatic effects on efficiency and even speed with running technique. But like I said before, any adjustment, any changes to running technique is often a real challenge to most patients because it is trying to relearn something that you've done quite naturally for most of your life. And so they need to be patient in it to reinforce that these are things that they should try every now and then, not to become hyper-focused on these things, just to drip feed them into their running uh, schedule so they can get comfortable with them over time. Hopefully, hopefully you found those tips useful for your running patients. You might like to try them yourself if you're a runner. Um, they've definitely been really effective for me as a runner and also plenty of patients that I've coached over the years.